Good afternoon, and welcome to Coastal Conversations here on WERU. We explore issues facing Maine's coastal communities through dialogue with people who live, work, and play on our coast. From fisheries to tourism, from energy to environment, from economy to ecology, we go beyond the social media sound bites, probing deeply into complex issues and solutions. Coastal Conversations is produced with help from the University of Maine's Sea Grant Program, whose mission is to support Maine's coastal communities through research, outreach, and education. In partnership with the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration and the University of Maine, Maine Sea Grant brings marine science to Maine people. This is Natalie Springle from Maine Sea Grant, and I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour of Coastal Conversations. Today, our show is called On the Water in Belfast Harbor, and we bring you four people who are involved in interesting work connected to our local seas, either as teachers, students, or guides. Our guests all happen to be women, and each of them bring to their learning and their work a commitment to the protection of this place and its people. So today, I'm excited to talk with Nicole Luttrell, founder of Dory Woman Rowing, who's an open water rower, a licensed Maine guide, filmmaker, and photographer. Nicole also gets the credit for pitching the idea for today's show topic. Thanks, Nicole. We'll also talk with Lindsay Schwartz, science instructor and member of the team at BCOPE, that's Belfast Community Outreach Program in Education, an alternative education program affiliated with the Belfast Area High School. We'll talk with Jenna Black, science teacher with the Marine Institute at the Belfast Area High School. And last but not least, I'm excited to have a high school student join us today, too. Mia Fay, a senior in the Belfast Area High School BCOPE program, which, again, is the Belfast Community Outreach Program in Education. Well, thank you so much for being here, everyone. It's exciting to have you all. Um, I can't say in the studio, so I'll say on the Zoom, um, and to have a conversation about all the great things happening um, on the water in Belfast these days. So why don't we start by having each of our guests introduce themselves. Um, Nicole, let's have you go first. Tell us a little bit about sort of who you are and what your connection is to the Bay. Yeah, thank you so much, Natalie, for uh, having us on the show and for doing the show about Belfast, where there definitely is a lot going on on the water uh, in Belfast Bay and Penobscot Bay. So my name is Nicole Luttrell, and um, I'm a former gender studies professor at the University of Maine and uh, also a filmmaker and a photographer and a licensed Maine guide. And so I actually became a guide to launch my business, Dory Woman Rowing, here in Belfast, where I offer rowing lessons, guided tours, workout rows, and specialty rows like my monthly full moon row year-round uh, in my traditional style wooden dory boat. And I've been doing that since um, August of 2021. Thank you. Um, how about Lindsay? Let's have you introduce yourself. Sure. My name is Lindsay Shorts. I'm a teacher at BCOPE, which is the Belfast Community Outreach Program in Education. It's the alternative high school here in, um, well, I don't know if we're here, here in Belfast, Maine. Um, we serve students who are at risk for failure or just at risk at the typical high school. Mia, correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. Um, 
And I won't go on to define a student at risk, but you can all check out our website if you want to. I've been at BCOP, this is my fifth year. I am the science teacher, that's my official title. I also coordinate our garden project and my ties, I live about two blocks from the Bay in here in Belfast. So that's one of my ties in with the Bay, but, and I spend a lot of my summer on the water. Um, the other thing is, I guess the idea for BCOP to get on the water more came in the garden talking to another teacher and just, she made a connection with me to Hurricane Island. And then I, I can tell you about it later, but a lot of connections started and that's what got Belfast, got our BCOP students out on the Bay doing what we do. Very cool. And can you tell us again what BCOPE stands for? Sure. It's the Belfast Community Outreach Program in Education. Okay, great. And it's separate from the Belfast High School. It is separate from the Belfast High School. We are part of the high school. Our students receive a Belfast Area High School diploma, but we're about a quarter mile um, down the road and we, we just approach education a little bit differently um, to address our student needs. Great. Thank you. And uh, Mia, let's have you introduce yourself. Mia is our student today. Great to have a student on the show with us. Thank you so much for inviting me. This is awesome. Um, so I'm Mia Fay. I'm a senior at BCO, the alternative school here in Belfast. And I would say one of my most significant ties to our bay is probably working in the farmer's market and just, you know, meeting the fishermen that, you know, work all day in the bay meeting the divers and just seeing like things change, like everything affects them. So, um, but also definitely, um, Ever since I've been going to BCOPE, I've been a lot more involved in our community, especially with marine sciences and um, working with people in the Bay. Thank you. It's great to have you. And um, Jenna. Yeah, uh, thank you again so much for having me. So I'm Jenna Black. I am a science teacher at Belfast High School. But before all of that, uh, I grew up on this Bay. My dad's a lobsterman in Belfast, so I've spent a lot of time on lobster boats, and my education was on this bay as well. Uh, I have a degree in marine biology from Maine Maritime Academy, so I've spent a lot of time thinking about this bay, its systems, and what that has to do with the people who depend on it. And I'm really excited to be doing some work with the Belfast Marine Institute to really start bringing our students in um, and getting them into the, the world of the working waterfront. Very cool. And the Belfast Marine Institute is also affiliated with the Belfast Area High School, correct? Yes, it is. We are working to kind of tie marine themes through several of our classes. Uh, we're starting with their science department, but it's something that we're working to weave into all of, you know, interdisciplinary education in our school to give kids a touchstone, a touchstone to some place-based education, because we have this resource right here and we should be using it. Yeah. And um, Jenna, I can see, so I have the benefit of being on Zoom, so I can see all your images, which our listeners can't, but I can see that everyone is in a house, except for Jenna, who is clearly in a boat. So t describe where you are. Um, so yes, I am on my dad's lobster boat. He keeps it in Front Street Shipyard in Belfast, so I can see the tugboats right in front of me. I can see three tides. Um, 
And actually the Cambodian folks just left on, uh, on their rowing trip for the evening. Um, the reason I am here is because I have a puppy that would bark the entire time of me ignoring him. So I found a quiet place. I love that you're on a boat when we're talking about cool things happening on boats and on the water in Belfast. So thank you all for your introductions. This is great. I'm excited for this conversation. Um, and our conversation is going to be probably kind of wide ranging about your work and your connections to Belfast Harbor and Penobscot Bay and the coast of Maine as a whole, either as rowers or teachers or guides or students or people learning how to grow scallops, um, or people taking pe folks out on the water. Um, so um, this is really a place-based conversation, which is exciting. So why don't we start with Nicole? Um, if you want to just kind of paint a picture of what um, Dory Woman is all about, what, you're, what the experience is like on the water for you in your work and the people that you take out. Yeah, so I was just out there uh, earlier today, and you know it's February sixteenth, and it was in the mid forties, and you know um, not very alarming in terms of the impacts of climate change, um, but it was just a sun drenched uh, day out in the bay, and I actually um, stripped down to a tank top. Um, there was a little bit of a northwesterly breeze, uh, you know, provides uh, some good resistance on the row back. Um, but basically, my suite of services includes, you know, my most fundamental service is um, helping to uh, teach people how to row a, a traditional style wooden boat. So fixed seat, two oars, you know, the Swampscott Dory. Uh, dates back to the mid 1800s and is originally a fishing vessel. Um, my the design of my boat is a little bit updated, um, but it's you know in 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 most ways it's very um, representative of the style of boat you know that first emerged in the 1800s. I did learn through the Penobscot Marine Museum that the Swampscott dory was also used to row out to tall ships who were getting ready to navigate the Penobscot River. And um, they would, you know, the pilot would row out in his Swampscott Dory and be then um, brought up on deck onto the big boat. And then the, then the Dory would be brought up as well. So I thought that was an interesting use. And what that really speaks to is how stable, um, and seaworthy these boats are because the Penobscot, like you know, like the Bay of the same name, um, you know, the waters are big and the weather can be very quixotic. And um, so, so yeah, so I take people out in in this in my boat for a very authentic, yet one of a kind experience. Learning how to row, uh, you know, taking in the marine environment. It's a great opportunity to observe wildlife. So seals, I just saw a seal the other day in the Inner Harbor, um, all kinds of bird life, some that only winter here, um, like um, you know, long-tailed ducks and buffleheads, for example. Sometimes we'll get harp seals here as well in the winter. So it's a great opportunity to observe wildlife, 
but really it's a wellness opportunity to get out on the water, to uh, become, you know, one with that marine environment in a safe way and to learn something new, to enjoy that with other people in your life. So my boat seats up to three other people. Um, and then, you know, I have this more whimsical side where I do, um, I should say whimsical and celestial side where I do full moon rows. I do those year round last year. I only missed May and December, I think it was. Um, and I do uh, other rows like a solstice row and then my, my now notorious witches row, which happens on Halloween, where <laughs> this year we had a whole lot of witches rowing and paddling and paddle boarding around Belfast Harbor uh, on Halloween evening. So yeah, so it's really about wellness. It's about fitness. I also have a workout row uh, so people can really, you know, that it have a little bit more um, of an intermediate skills with rowing can come out and, you know, really get a good cardio workout, but also strength and resistance training, really build their stamina, and also learn, you know, how to navigate these waters. And in all different kinds of conditions, we go out in snow, we go out in rain, we go out in fog, we go out in chop, of course, always assessing safety and only going out in conditions that both my clients and I are comfortable with. So yeah, it's a it's a it's a one of a kind service. There's nothing like it. So that's great. Thank you. Um, so Lindsay, let's have you kind of give us an overview of the programs that you guys are doing with students on the water. We are actually, we're pretty focused on, a, well, we're doing a couple different things, but the, the one program we're really focused on and we're really excited about is our collaboration with Hurricane Island. And what and we're that's, doing. That's Hurricane Island Center for Science and Stewardship, I believe. Science and Leadership. Science and Leadership. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I guess I would preface this by saying none of this would be possible at VCOPE if we didn't have certain community partners who helped us. John Van Dis at Hurricane Island, um, Nate, I think it's Holloway, I can't remember, at Hurricane Island, um, and especially Bob Winslow, who's in Belfast, who um, captains a boat and takes us out. But what we're doing is we're collecting spat, wild spat for sea scallops. Scallop spat can't be grown in a lab or in a um, hatchery like um, clams or mussels or anything else that you see. They have a longer um, cycle. It's I think 40 days. And there, there are people working on that in Maine, but right now you can, you can only grow spat by collecting the wild seed. So what BCOP is doing is we learned how to tie the lines and put the spat bags on and drop them in the bay. And most importantly, looking at the bay itself, looking at tides, looking at currents, looking at all those things and deciding where what site selection would look like and picking our sites. So it's it's a couple, it's a process. So we have John Van Dis comes out and he shows us how to tie the lines, um, but then students take it from there. He only comes out for one day. They do the site selection. Mia was really involved with site selection this year. It was her second year doing this. She took the lead for us. It's looking at the maps of the bay, figuring it out. Bob Winslow would come and give us his opinion and then <laughs> probably we ignored him sometimes. We didn't mean to. Um, and then we would pick these sites with him and with me and with the other students, which was really great. And then other students took the lead on tying the lines and organizing the bags. We have one student who, if she didn't do the lines and organize our equipment, 
I know someone would have gone overboard and she wouldn't come on the show. She's really um, private, but she's amazing. And really the one time she didn't organize our spat line was the time we almost had a crisis. So not that bad, but a little bit. So we go out and then we get these lines together. We get the spat bags. It takes us a while. We select our site and then we go out on the boat with, um, and we go and we use our, we use our compass and all our things and we go out. I think it's really interesting what we're trying to do too is collect data year over year now that we've done it two years and what we'd like to do is have a collection of data that we can share with Hurricane Island and also share because I'm part of the Belfast Marine Institute with Jenna and to share that data with the Marine Institute and with the other teachers there and kind of look at the changes in the bay year to year. One of our thoughts is to get sensors in the future and attach that to our lines and then we can all have this big body of data that we use and kind of help other people in our community. As Jenna said, we want to be a part of the community. We want to support working waterfront. We're hoping to tie in with the local scout farmers so we can give them our spot this year. Very cool. You mentioned the um, local scallop farmer. Um, we had um, around the holiday time, we had um, Marnie Reed Kroll who wrote with the local scallop farmer a cookbook on how to cook with scallops. We had her on the show for a holiday seafood celebration. So it's fun to have that come full circle with the work you're doing. It is. And we, it's really nice. We incorporate, we re the whole reason we all got into this, Mia was in this class too. We did an environmental science class about two years ago. And I always push this, but I love Brent Smith and that book, Eat Like a Fish. And we did it every morning. We would read a chapter. So we were all really excited about it. And then we would read a chapter about, you know, aquaculture in the bay and I think we all got just so excited about that and then we tried to figure out and somebody had told me about Hurricane Island and what they were doing and I have a daughter who was involved with that a little bit and then so we started putting the pieces together but all these things so we and everybody at I would say VCOP is a really tight community of teachers and students and I would just put in that plug that something like this an initiative like this doing Hurricane Island having them come every year going out on a boat doing these community reads doesn't help but happen unless you have the support of all your staff, your teaching principal, students. Otherwise, these things don't happen. So we're really fortunate in this community to have that administrative support um, that we do for both the Belfast Marine Institute and all our other place-based initiatives. That was science teacher Lindsay Shorts telling us about her project with Belfast area high school students and how they're collecting scallop spat or tiny baby scallops that grow in the wild to work towards growing scallops as part of an on the water farming operation. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Coastal Conversations on WERU Community Radio at 89.9 FM and streaming online at WERU.org. Just an FYI, this show was pre-recorded last week, so we aren't taking any calls today. Our show today is called On the Water in Belfast Harbor, and we're talking to four women, two of them teachers, one a student, and one business owner and main guide, all of whom have a deep connection with the waters around Belfast Harbor. Before Lindsay Shorts, we heard from Nicole Luttrell introducing us to her business, Dory Woman Rowing, where she takes people on the water to learn the traditional art of rowing a dory. Sounds like a lot of fun. Next up, more on the cool projects that the Belfast High School programs are leading, including connecting with organizations like Hurricane Island Center for Science and Leadership to collect wild scallops bat. Here's student Mia Fay, and then we'll hear from science teacher Jenna Black. All right. I would also just like to add um, 
I think one of the main reasons they are do like Hurricane Island is doing this project with the spat is because we only can eat about 20 30 percent of the scala and the rest of it is we just throw away because they're filter feeders so it's all toxic and the only thing we can eat is the muscle that allows them to open and close their jaw so we're basically we're we're wasting a lot of meat and food eating scallops because we can't eat all of the meat yeah, so the, the advantage of growing scallops, of course, is that we can grow them in an area where we don't have these um, contaminants because scallops, as opposed to other shellfish, hold on to these contaminants for some reason. You know, if this isn't the same kind of problem that you would have with mussels or oysters, there's something about the way a scallop processes its food that it holds on to these toxins for much longer, which is why in the wild fishery, you can't even bring a whole scallop in. You have to just take the adductor muscle. And so projects where you're growing scallops um, in aquaculture, there is a push to try to have a whole scallop be, you know, a main aquaculture product. Um, but finding out, you know, how we can do this in a safe way is a really important piece. And yeah, that is why we're growing scallops. And growing scallops is fairly new in Maine. So you guys are kind of at the at the cutting edge of helping figure this all out. Well, we're doing our best. I mean, I think, I think one of the things about working with students that's so great, and Jenna can also attest to this, sometimes things work and sometimes things don't, just like in a science lab. And I think what I really like about the Marine Institute and what I like about BCOPE especially is it's student-led. And what we're trying to do is have this student-led research and these student-led projects. And part of that is taking a leap of faith and also acknowledging that sometimes things aren't gonna work out the way you want them to and figuring out what the learning, and there's a learning experience in that as well. Yeah, last year, I think Lindsay said this, but last year it was actually incredible. We've, I mean, I just had low expectations just because, you know, I have low expectations for myself with anything. So when we went back out in January and took up the lines and went sorted the spat, we had like 200, 250 baby spat. So it was kind of incredible. And we on World Oceans Day, it was kind of a hectic day. So we put them in the bag. We put them near Coach Winslow's boat and we come back a couple like an hour hour later all of them were gone holes everywhere green crabs swimming around yeah it was kind of yeah so we never got we we never got to the growing harvesting hopefully some survived and got out but you know we lost them that's and i would say natalie it's a good ask jenna what she's growing because it's very cool what they're growing in the bag oh great what are you growing jenna um, so the, the Belfast Marine Institute has a kelp farm. Great. I thought maybe that's where we were headed. Yes. Uh, so we are growing kelp as well. Um, and if you want to talk about things that did not go quite to plan, that would have been our kelp nursery. But thankfully, we were able to buy kelp seed that somebody else grew <laughs> an amount for us. And uh, it's growing. I was out there on Sunday. And we have probably eight inches of growth of kelp on our lines, which is just like, it's phenomenally exciting. And it's beautiful stuff. It's, you know, very see-through. It reminds me of um, stained glass, the way it kind of layers upon itself. And I did take some home and make some pasta sauce with my kelp. Nice. Nice. I, I have a, 
I have a question actually. Yeah. Uh, where is the scallop collection site? Because um, I became familiar with the kelp farm uh, back um, in the fall because I row, I row out there, you know, almost every day. And then one day I started seeing, you know, these orange small mooring balls and it, it looked like a corridor in a way, you know, like a big road. Um, yeah. And, and I found out about, I found out about the kelp farm, but where is the, um, you know, and I was just by there today, but um, where is this, the scallop collection site? So we have, I think we put out four lines this year. Is that correct? And so we have one near the monument in the Belfast Bay, right at the tip of Bayside, because we heard um, from some local fishermen that there, right there had been scallop. There, there's just a lot of scallop collection and lobstering going on in that area. So we put a line there. We put a line at the Little River outlet or the Little River outlet into the ocean because the new salmon farm, they say that none of the stuff that they're putting in the bay is going to do anything impact in, in any way. And we're going to, we're going to see if that's true eventually. So um, that's, I think that's one of the main reasons, but also it's a freshwater input. Yeah, it's a freshwater input. So we want on also wanted to, you know, test and see if that had anything to do with, you know, any if it added toxins into the water if, or if it was more fresh and clean. Um, and we also have one near it's near Saturday Cove. I think it's two at Saturday Cove. Remember, we had to put them both in because the weather okay. started getting rough. Yeah, it though yeah, the water started getting really rough and and also I am pretty sure where we wanted to put it, like you said, a lot of things change on the water and the maps aren't always perfectly right. So where we had planned it was I think it was more shallow or I think it was deeper than we than the line. So we had to put them both um I mean in different places of course, but both kind of in the same area around Saturday Cove. I also think we looked, um, Coach Winslow helped us. He talks to a lot of fishermen. And so we had a lot of anecdotal um, historical data of where fishermen who've been in the Bay for a long time remember dredging for mussels. And that's one of the reasons too for Little River and not just the controversial one, but there was a history of people finding mussels there. So it seemed like a good resource. So we, so we did the scientific thing and looked at the maps and looked at the currents and looked at all the things, but we also talked to people and yeah. tried to find that anecdotal data to help us as well. And that was uh, pretty interesting. Um, I would say too, I know that this year there's been an uptick in the recreational scalloping in the Bay. And I know that some of it's being really fruitful right near the monument. So I will be interested to see if uh, sort of that uptake in removal affects your spat. I really hope it doesn't. Yeah. Can I add one thing to what Nicole said earlier, just about finding our bags? I think one of the beauties of being out there with students and something that was kind of made me more aware, and Jenna probably knows this from growing up on the Bay, it doesn't seem that big when you look at the map, it seems all enclosed. And, but when you're out there and you're looking for your spat bag and you even have the coordinates, it's like you know, you're right on top of it and you can't find it. The Bay is so big. 
And it's it's just amazing. And it's just it's just really interesting to be out there with students because a lot of students, even though they live on the, near the waterfront or in a coastal community, have not been out on the water. Yeah, that's that's really true. I took a group of students out um, the first fall that um, you know I launched Dory Woman Rowing, and I was you know I was amazed. There were students that um, you know live close by and had never been out on the water, and so I think that's a really important opportunity to get people out on the water, young people out on the water that you know. Uh, have have never been out there and have you know um, limited access points to getting out on the water. So yeah, and I think it's it's a super important way for us to maintain some of these maritime skills and this heritage because there there is a barrier of entry essentially to being a part of this world. And if you don't have exposure to it, um, and some of it, you know, you can get it at any age. But you know, I was lucky to have it from a very young age. Like I had fishing boots when I was four. <laughs> But, you know, we've we've lost a generation plus um, with some of the stuff going on in lobstering and, you know, a lot of other things, the the loss of working waterfront. We we have a younger generation that doesn't have these, you know, kind of traditional maritime skills and may not have a lot of ways to access those skills. So it's, it's really important to get kids out on the water to preserve that. Definitely. There's almost like a gap, you know, in in. Um, knowledge and carrying on the traditions. And I know that, you know, in Belfast, access is a big issue. You know, we have a lot of the cruising boats and yachts, and they bring, you know, a nice influx of money into our, our small city economy. We have these great marinas. I have docking space at one of those marinas. Um, at the same time, it's a real issue that we don't have more access for small craft in in Belfast Harbor. And I know that's something that we have a harbor committee here that they're talking about how to address and how to increase opportunities because, you know, you have to have a, I mean, first of all, you got to have a boat or you got to know somebody that has a boat, but you have to have ways to get that boat in the water and places to put that boat. Um, if you, you know, don't have a trailer, obviously. So, and, and obviously having your boat in the water, I think is better in some ways than driving it around on a trailer. You're using a lot of resources to do that. So I feel like it, it is really, it should be a priority of Belfast to have more floats, more um, access points, more docking space for small boats. And yeah. I think making sure they're affordable as well. Nicole would be um, pretty, when you, and also just talking about accessibility and building on what Nicole said, one of the things I think is really neat about the Marine Institute and also about BCOPE is it gives opportunities for all students to get, we're trying to get all students on the water and get them interested in these maritime traditions and these, and any student who's interested, it's not just limited to, to an AP student or to a certain level of student, any student at Belfast Area High School or at BCOPE, if they're interested in the water, can find, we're hoping to build in all this stuff, has, has access to classes or to um, experiences that will, you know, that they can learn more. Yeah, and in addition to what you said, I feel like we could solve this with, by putting Marines Institutes in 
educate marine education in schools, but there is such a disconnect between fishermen and even farmers and people. I don't know. I just, I feel like there is a very large disconnect and gap between people and their food and their producers of their food and their farmers of their food. Yeah. And in a place like Belfast, where a large population depends on the ocean and the, the resources that we extract from the ocean, that access to the working waterfront is pretty critical. Um, and Nicole, can you, um, can you sort of paint a picture for us about, um, I'm, I'm making the assumption that from your experience being on the water all the time and launching probably from all the places that one can launch in Belfast, what's it like on the Belfast waterfront? What is the Belfast waterfront like? Well, there are only a few places that you can launch, actually. Um, you know, so we have the Belfast City Public Landing, which is where pretty much everybody puts in their boat. Um, if you have a, you know, kayak or canoe or paddleboard, you can you can access the water from one of our beaches. In fact, you probably shouldn't be putting in your boat at the Belfast City Public Landing. Um, I know that safety is a big concern of our harbor master, Kathy, who's really wonderful and wants to, you know, wants people to be able to access the water, but to keep small craft away from that very, very busy section. And I'm sure that Jenna could speak to this too, just how much, and Lindsay too, who's lived here a long time and close to the water, just how much busier the harbor has become, though certainly less fishing, fishing vessels than there used to be. Um, I lived in Belfast in and around Belfast since 2000. Um, but yeah, you know, the harbor, um, I mean, it really depends on, on the time of year. So, um, you know, the harbor is at the mouth of the Pasagasawakiag River. And so you have ocean meeting river. And so you've got different current at different points in the harbor. Uh, and it does different things depending on what the wind and the tide are doing um, and what time of year it is, right? So, um, but you know, it, it's a really, it's a really amazing location, I would say, a, an amazing confluence of two different bodies of water um, because you've got the river. When you go up the river, it's a whole different world. It, it feels, it feels kind of wild. There's a lot of trees and I see tons of eagles up there, a lot of immature eagles in, in particular this year. Um, you can go all the way up, you know, at a high tide or an incoming tide up to the trestle bridge, which is part of the rail trail, you know, and it just feels, um, it's like the land of the pointed firs up there. Um, and then in the other direction, you know, uh, you're, you're heading out into the harbor. So you're heading south or you're heading east. Um, and that's where the water really opens up into the bay. So Belfast Bay is part of Penobscot Bay. We're in the northwest corner of Penobscot Bay, which is a very big watershed. So, um, and of course, Penobscot Bay gets its, its name from the Penobscot River part of, you know, the Penobscot nation, uh, the Wabanaki people who are the original people um, here in Maine. So, uh, you know, it, it really depends on the day, but, you know, you have this artery, this Pasagasawakiag River is kind of this artery, this tidal estuary, which 
flows out into the harbor and then opens up into the bigger bay. Uh, so, so there's a lot of beauty about it, but we're also um, very exposed harbor. We're not a terribly protected harbor. So we really get hit by these um, big southeasterly storms that are coming in, you know, like the one that hit on December 23rd and did a lot of damage in, in our harbor and in our city. So um, again, they're wonderful, beautiful assets to this body of water, these bodies of water, but um, you know, there are perils to it as well, so. That was Nicole Luttrell of Dory Woman Rowing in Belfast, a small waterfront business that teaches people how to row and safely explore the ocean from the traditional main dory. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Coastal Conversations on WERU Community Radio at 89.9 FM and streaming online at WERU.org. This show was pre-recorded last week, so we're not taking any calls today. On the Water in Belfast Harbor. That's the name of our show today, and we're hearing from four women who have all kinds of experiences in these waters and stories to tell. In addition to Nicole of Dory Woman Rowing, we've been hearing from two high school teachers in the Belfast area, Lindsay Shorts and Jenna Black, and one of their students, Mia Fay, a senior at Belfast's Alternative High School, whose passion for learning from being on the water is palpable in the stories she shares. Next up, let's hear more from science teacher Jenna Black, whose childhood as the daughter of a lobster fisherman has had a lasting impact on her career choices. So um, I do know ever since I was a, a very young person, because my bedroom was right over the kitchen door that goes outside, anytime we had a big wind from the southeast, that, that meant that I would be up all night because my father would be going out to check on the boat and the float every couple hours, all night. So I have been very personally impacted by every southeast, <laughs> uh, southwest wind that we get, or southeast wind that we get. Um, but yeah, we had some pretty significant damage from that storm just before Christmas. And uh, like, I know we are one of our, our kelp lines that we had that was um, near Nautilus for easy student access got completely caught up on something in that uh, storm surge and is no longer functional in any way, shape or form. So, uh, but my experience on the bay has been primarily on the stern of the boat that I'm on right now or uh, in a little Carolina skiff going around. And uh, I've also spent quite a bit of time hanging over the side of the docks right here, just looking at the things attached to it. And, you know, that's always been my favorite thing. Uh, you know, I go lobstering with my father sometimes still, and I really enjoy it. I get to go on summer days when it's nice. It's really the best stern man gig someone could hope for. Because uh, I get to say, you know, no, I don't want to go out today in the wind. You go. Um, but one of my favorite things still is what other stuff comes up in traps. And I'm never going to be sick of seeing lobsters. I, <laughs> I'm just not. Um, you know, they were my, my preferred organism of study when I was going through school. I did some time in lobster science for the state. But having an opportunity to grow here and to, to live here and to see the changes here, good and bad, um, I feel so extraordinarily lucky to, to be you know, a part of, of this bay, a part of this ecosystem, and to be in a position now where I feel like I have an opportunity to kind of do things that help our, our young people, but also our bay. You know, Any kind of 
marine, you know, algae aquaculture is something that helps improve water quality. So that's, you know, something that we can do to help our, our bay. And, you know, I live on the Penobscot River in Prospect now. So I get to, I just, I feel very a part of this system here. And I'm listening to you. I'm really realizing um, uh, that you have so many different experiences and ways of knowing the bay. So what I'm picking up is that you grew up in a fishing family and then you also worked in fisheries at the fisheries management agency, the Department of Marine Resources for a while, and you got a degree in science. Um, and now you're teaching, um, which is amazing because you bring all these different ways of understanding and knowing and interpreting the bay to your classroom. And it sounds like you're growing some kelp. So tell us about how what that's all about. Um, so I will be really honest. Uh, I wish this was my idea, but it wasn't. Um, I joined Belfast High School uh, this this year. So this is my first year in Belfast. I've been inland at Mount View for a while, which was great, but you know, inland. And uh, during my interview, I was told, you know, we're we're working on this kelp lease. Is that something that you would be, you know, able to help us with? I'm like, hell yeah! <laughs> like I want to grow kelp. I used to always tell my marine studies students, especially like if I ever just stop showing up to school and you know you never see me again, just know that like I am happy. I have a kelp and oyster farm, and you know it's all all right. Preservation of these traditional maritime skills is something I'm extraordinarily passionate about. Um, I had the good luck, I guess, to to get some time on the schooner when I was at Maine Maritime. So I've spent a lot of time with, um, you know, schooner bum folk really into like marlin spike seamanship. And it, you know, it's it's a bug and I've been bit. I can relate for sure. Yeah. I would love to hear from everyone individually. Um, what you really want people to know about either your projects, collecting scallops bat or growing kelp or taking people out on the water. What do you want to, what do you want people to know about the work that you do on the Bay? Why it's important, why you're passionate about it. I'm, mine is less about the science and about the Bay. And I, I am passionate about all of that. I've lived two blocks from the Bay for the past 23 years. I love being out on the water. My dream was always to live um, in a coastal community. I guess what my biggest thing is just to talk my students, just bringing these students out and giving them these experiences and also having them, because VCOP students are unique and they're they're amazing, but they also sometimes, they're, they're at VCOP for a reason. And sometimes I feel like they don't get the acknowledgement or the attention they deserve. We talk about it as a staff a lot. It's a smart, creative, raucous, boisterous group. And what I like about them is they also bring that excitement and that enthusiasm, not all the time, but a lot of the time to projects. And I think I would just like to say how much this, you couldn't do something like this unless you have a group of students who really buy in. They could just sit there and do nothing or walk off or, you know, you see that, you see apathetic student groups and our students buy in. And I don't know if that's because they have say in the project, they don't want me to cry. I have no idea. But whenever we do a project, it's really great because, because they they buy in and they they give it their all or the, the all that they have that day. And I think with any of this, if you have that student buy-in, you can really do so much. And then you can do all the things that Jenna talked about that are and, and that Nicole talked about and that we all feel so passionate about, just learning about the environment we live in and how to preserve it and how to take 
care of it and how to preserve these traditions, but you can't do it unless, I'm just very fortunate to work with the students and the staff that I work with. And I think that's my biggest takeaway from anything like this, because these things don't happen in a vacuum. I was just going to say, I am attempting to answer Lindsay's question about how she got the students to buy in. Um, I would just like to say that it seems as though, I mean, you know, with the age of social media and, you know, there's a lot going on. It seems as though people have a lot of low, very low self-esteem. And that's probably every decade, like every generation, but just, you know, being in a smaller school, I think I see it. I'm more aware of it. Um, but, you know, with this process, you know, Lindsay, they, John Van Dis came in and he's, you know, asking where, where should we put the spat bags? Um, you know, how are we going to put this together? What not should we do to get to with the, for the toggle buoy? And, you know, Lindsay's like, I don't know, looks at us and says, I don't know. What, what do we do? So, you know, everything affects a farmer or a fisherman, someone's yield. And so when you, you know, pick a place because you think there's a freshwater input and that will help you and you and you were right. And, you know, you get a beautiful yield of 100, 200 spat. It feels so good just to know that, you know, your teacher told you to make to to give the answer. Your the teacher told you to plan the lesson and you were and it worked out. So I just think, you know, I'm I'm not sure which words to use, but just giving us like the control over it and then seeing that, you know, we did something right. And especially after like I didn't especially in high school, I mean, I didn't have a lot of good relationships with my teachers. So it's like when you have a good relationship with your teacher and you work together and something beautiful comes of it that you can share with younger people and your peers and even older people in your community, it's just, it's beautiful. So, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Mia. Um, so I guess if we wanted to boil down what I'm really excited about and what I want people to know about the work that I'm part of and that we're doing with the Marine Institute and just in Belfast in general. This is, oh my gosh, I'm going to sound so much like my dad. <laughs> but um, I am so lucky to live here. You know, I could have been anywhere in the world and I am here. I get to be on this bay and and be a part of this system, a place that I love so deeply. Like I am the luckiest person in the world that like I got to spend a day of my work during a prep time when I didn't have students in my room going to put kelp seed in a lobster car and I got to like play around in a Carolina skiff. It's so cool. And you know, that, that excitement about being able to do what I love to do, being able to have my students see that. And that in and of itself is so important that students can see, you know, Miss Black gets so nerdy about lobsters. And, and, you know, having our, our students, especially our, our female students, see someone who's, you know, had a, 
profession in science, had a profession on the water is super important. And, you know, if I could tell my students one thing, like if you're going to do one thing in your life, you need to give a flip <laughs> about what you do. And like, that's it. And so I'm trying to do the best that I can do to find things here that I can do that with and show them what that looks like. And to be on this bay every day, um, to be growing kelp on this bay is, it's the, it's the dream. And, you know, I don't know, those of the folks who may be listening that go to Maine Maritime and understand the how's it go and I'll live in the dream, like no, I'm actually doing it. And, and that's, yeah, it's great. That is great. Yeah, Nicole. Yeah, I can just piggyback on what um, Lindsay, uh, Mia, and Genevieve all said already. Um, you know, to uh, track back to Lindsay, um, I think, you know, my, my mission with my business, um, in addition to creating a viable, you know, career and opportunity, which I hope to grow, uh, and also have more boats and hire more guides to, um, help with that, um, you know, is to get people to care about this place. And, you know, so I've had people from all over the country and different, different parts of the world in my boat. And so, yeah, I want them to care about Midcoast Maine and Belfast Bay, but I also want them to take that feeling and that experience and bring it back to their own community uh, because stewardship is definitely a cornerstone of my business. Um, you know, that's kind of my, like I said, you know, my mission is really to get people to care about place. Um, and to piggyback on what Mia said, uh, you know, I love hearing about how empowered it sounds like she and the other students feel um, doing these projects. And I have a lot of respect and admiration for um, the teachers involved uh, with BCOPE and the high school, the Marine Institute, uh, who are helping students to do that. And I would say that that's another thing, you know, that's important to me in my business is to empower people um, to learn something new and to um, safely push out of their comfort zone and take a risk. You know, I was really inspired by what Genevieve was saying as well, that I also am living the dream, I'm still trying to figure out if it's a viable career. Um, but, you know, I feel so fortunate to uh, be able to every day, almost every day, be out on that water in this beautiful place, take people out there uh, to be, you know, um, you know, uh, taking my passion and turning it into a business. Um, and I, you know, I think it's like, my motto is like, go local, take risks and follow your passion. Absolutely. So, um, you know, I, I take inspiration from, from everything that both Lindsay, Genevieve and Mia all said, and, you know, that's, that's part, a big part of what my business is too. So. Well, and I think that's one of like the, my favorite things about the ocean is that it's such a it's a connector of people we you know as a as a species have spent so much time depending on it and living near it that I, I i think it's a very ingrained thing for a human being to see the ocean and just feel this awe 
then being able to tap into that in a classroom, being able to get kids to use that as a vehicle to say why. That's so exciting. And, you know, even just in the ability to connect people, you know, uh, this is my, my first time meeting Nicole, but I also already feel really far more connected to her just because of the connection we have to this place. Um, you know, that was my experience at, at college too. You know, what is one thing I have in common with every other human in this place? Well, we are all here because we want to pursue a life on the ocean. And that's a lot more than most people, you know, freshmen in college get with, <laughs> with their surroundings. Um, and so the, that's the other piece is one of the things I try really hard to impress upon my students is that, you know, we don't do science to do science. We do science for people. And using the ocean as a way to kind of get students engaged in that is one of the most powerful things that I can think of. And, and some of that's because, you know, obviously I'm pretty biased, but we have it here. And it's it's such a, a you know, there's so many things that we don't know about it and can learn about it. And it's just so vast and amazing. I was also gonna add that the, um... I like that how you said that too, that we're all connected uh, with our um, you know, relationship to the water. And I also like to think that the water is also a, a friend of mine who's a client says she always feels so held when she's out in my boat on the water. She feels held. Um, and I and I love that that metaphor. Um What's so cool about all of this is we're all women too, you know, um, or at least I should say I identify as a woman and, um, you know, I feel like, um, you know, women have obviously been out on the water, the working waterfront, fishing, recreating, you know, transit, going back and forth on the water. Uh, science, all of it for a very long time. But, you know, sometimes it, it it still feels like it may not always be the an entirely welcoming space for women. And I certainly um, am welcoming to my, of all genders on my boat, um, all skill levels and ages. Um, but, you know, I get a lot of women on my boat and women that used to row when they were girls, uh, back when, you know, people used to row when they were kids. Um, and, you know, it's a coming back to something that, that they used to do. And um, again, I feel that, that these opportunities to get out on the water, whether it be through my business or um, in a classroom um, on a lobster boat, you know, are incredibly empowering and enriching for women. So I, I just think that that's, that's important to say. Can't help it. Former gender studies professor here. So <laughs> I, I love that as a thought to kind of wrap this up um, because amazingly we've been talking for more than an hour um, and um, it's been such a great conversation. I feel like we could go on a lot more, um, but we'll have to do that someday on the water together. <laughs> Um, so, um, my last question is a very simple one. Um, how can people get in touch with you to learn more about your respective programs and ways to engage or to go on the water with you or your business? Lindsay. Um, you can get in touch with me, um, at my, just go through the BCOPE, it's bcope.rsu71.org and my contact email is there or through the Belfast Marine Institute. Great, thank you. 
You're welcome. And Jenna? Uh, so the best way to get in touch with me would be via my school email, which is gblack at rsu71.org. Great. And Nicole? Yeah, so you can visit dorywomanrowing.com or you can uh, follow me on Instagram or Facebook, or you can send me an email at dorywomanrowing at gmail.com. Thanks so much to all our guests today for sharing their stories and perspectives about working, teaching, and learning on the waters on Belfast Bay. If listeners want to see some photos to bring to life the stories they shared, please head over to the Coastal Conversations webpage at mainseagrant.umaine.edu. Today, our guests on Coastal Conversations were Nicole Luttrell, founder of Dory Woman Rowing, as well as an open water rower, licensed main guide, filmmaker, and photographer. Lindsay Shorts, science instructor and member of the team at BCOPE, the Belfast Community Outreach Program in Education, an alternative education program affiliated with the Belfast Area High School. Jenna Black, a science teacher with the Marine Institute at the Belfast Area High School, and senior in the Belfast Area High School BCOPE program, Mia Fay. I also wanted to send a shout out to Trinity Haber, another student who was scheduled to join the show but had a last-minute conflict that prevented her from being here. Thanks so much to all of you. What a great conversation that inspires all of us to turn our attention to the waters that surround our communities here in coastal Maine. Coastal Conversations is produced with support from the Maine Sea Grant Program at the University of Maine, bringing marine science to Maine people. Join us from 4 to 5 p.m. on the fourth Friday of each month. The Coastal Conversations theme music of Following Sea was composed and performed by Paul Anderson. This is Natalie Springle from Maine Sea Grant, host of Coastal Conversations, wishing you a good week.